The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. We always say it, we always mean it, and we think it's absolutely true. What is the buzz today? Okay. Widespread social selling adoption in companies remains a challenge. Question, why aren't more companies taking social selling seriously? I found this online in spisales.com blog, and I thought it was a very interesting way to introduce our topic. So let me get started here. Building a successful corporate social selling program beyond LinkedIn. Come on, you've got everybody on LinkedIn. You're doing some dialogue, some forums, some chats. you got to do more than that. It can be complex, especially when it requires a dramatic company-wide cultural change. That's right. You have to get everybody on board. First of all, you need your executives and your managers to support this and brand this. But maybe they don't know about it. Maybe the social selling, you I mean everybody's going to be online chatting on Twitter all day. What are they doing with their time? If they don't get it, you have a roadblock potentially. And what about the ROI? It's still a little bit elusive. If you get that far, you get the executives and the managers to sign in and sign on. Wow, great. But now you have to develop and roll out and scale a training curriculum. Why? Because social selling needs to be part of every employee's role. That's right. Not just the people sitting in the bullpen for social selling with the the SS on their sweatshirt. You need everybody on board, every one of them. That's how it works. And that's still not enough. Then you have to enable initiatives to drive the adoption. You have to motivate them. You have to expand the program as it gets successful. Oh, I'm tired already. So the question is, is it worth all this effort? And the answer is, heck yes. We have a panel of three experts who are going to talk to us today about why social selling needs to be company-wide. And in fact, the title of this episode is Social Selling Success, Getting Your Entire Company on the Bandwagon. Let me tell you who our three panelists are. We have Amar Sheth from Sales for Life. We have Perry Van Beek from Social.1 ONE Capitals. And we have Kirsten Boyleau, Head of Regional Engagement and Social Selling at SAP. Thrilled to have the three of them. And let's get started with Amar. Amar has sent us a quote from Coldplay. Oh, Come on, everyone. British rock band formed in 1996 by lead vocalist and keyboardist Chris Martin and lead guitarist Johnny Buckland at University College London. They are passionate. They are heartrending. They're a pop group with sweet melodies and swooning lyrics, one of the biggest bands of the new millennium. So here is the quote Amar has selected. Everything you want is a dream away. We are legends every day. Amar, I want to go off and listen to Coldplay. How are you, Amar Sheth? I'm doing great. How are you, Bonnie? 
I'm fine, thank you. Love the quote from Coldplay. Which song is that from? Do you want to hum a few bars for us, or are you going to decline that request, Amar? I, I won't hum. I'll spare the audience the, uh, the monstrosity, which is my voice. But I will tell you the quote is fantastic. <laughs> it's from a song called Adventure of a Lifetime, which is from their new album. And I'm just on a total Coldplay binge because I watched them live in Toronto about a month ago. It is literally the best concert you will ever see in your life, especially if you're a front row like me. Wow. So tell me something. We're talking about social selling success, and we're talking about the challenges, as I mentioned, Amar, the challenges of getting your entire company on board. And look, let's face it, no matter what you're trying to do in a company of any size, getting everybody on board is always a challenge. But social selling, a little bit of an enigma, maybe a curiosity. So tell me how Coldplay would relate this quote to our topic. You know, it's, it's really quite simple. I think salespeople are legends. And, and I think that social selling is an enigma, mainly because people are just not trying hard enough. You know, it's, it's not that they don't have the right intent, uh, intention. It's not that they don't have the right uh, motivation. It's, they just don't know how to do it. So we, as leaders, have to really empower them. We have to embolden them by giving them the right tools, the right know-how. And once they have that, the rest is a cakewalk. So social selling doesn't need to be this enigma. It is currently because there's too much of it out there. There's too much going on. There's blogs, there's articles, there's ebooks, there's, you know, your, your colleague giving you advice, your manager giving you advice. What's right? What's wrong? All of this can be kind of synthesized once you actually take your time to learn it. Okay, very interesting, and that's why you are here, and Perry Van Beek is here, and Kirsten Boyleau is here, because we're going to help people learn it. So thank you very much, Amar. Great. I, I still think you should have hummed a few bars. I don't know, but we'll, we'll, we'll try and find a soundtrack. Uh, I, I did, I did, uh, I did sing on a recent show and and you know we still have followers we still have listeners but i'm sure it was painful for the audience so i'm i'm not going to do it and i appreciate that i'm our welcome and now let me turn to perry van beek at social one and we'll ask each of you in a few minutes perry and amar what you do at your companies and what your companies are all about so so don't worry about that perry van beek has sent us a quote from sir richard branson full name sir richard charles nicholas branson born 1950 i call him a young one an english business business magnet, investor, philanthropist. Come on, everybody knows. He founded the Virgin Group, which now controls just 400 companies. And Branson wanted to become an entrepreneur at a young age. At age 16, he started a magazine called Student. Then he started a mail-order record business. Then in 1972, he opened a chain of Virgin Record record stores, the mega stores. Then he started an airline, then a music. Oh, my God. It goes on and on. And by the way, uh, in March of this year, Forbes listed his estimated net worth at only Five billion dollars. So there, poor Richard Branson. So, and I think he's recovered from his uh, bicycle accident a few months ago. I'm pretty sure he has. We talked about that on one of our shows. Here's the quote: Five simple words, a little bold, a little brash. Perry, I told you we would read this on the air. <laughs> it is: Screw it, let's do it. I'm just going to say that once. Perry Van Beek, welcome to Game Changers. How are you, Perry? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm 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 doing really well. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. So tell me about this quote. It sounds very in-your-face-ish. For Our topic is social selling, getting the whole company on board. So what would Mr. Brand- or Sir Branson say if he knew you were using his quote today? I think he'd be proud because, I mean, his book, that's the title of his book, actually. I won't repeat it again, but it's actually the title of his book. And he, 
he inspired me to actually start my business. I was reading his book, and I came across one of uh, on one of the pages that says, "Once life stops being fun, I think it's time to move on. Life is too short to be unhappy. Waking up stressed and miserable is not a good way to live." And I was like, "That's me." Called <laughs> up my boss, and I quit my job. Um, and that's, that's just over ten years ago. And, um, and you know, and really, that's what it's about. You know, it's, you need to just do it. Really, just do it. And it's 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 it's. More than ever for salespeople nowadays, and just like Amar, you know, I, I completely agree with what Amar says. Salespeople are legends, but they need to just do it. They need to just get out there and, and start doing it. Um, so, so uh, drop the, 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 all the, the excuses and, you know, oh, we haven't had the training. We have just start doing it, you know, and, and adopt a, a mindset of, of actually doing it. So, uh, you know, and it, 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 it's, it's also my mantra for life, for example. Just, just this weekend, I... I jumped into an ice bath with the Iceman Wim Hof four times. And, you know, before I, if, if two weeks ago somebody would have said I would have done that, I would have said they were crazy. But I did it nevertheless, and I'm still recovering. But uh, that's a different <laughs> matter altogether. <laughs> I love your candor. By the way, uh, Perry, I don't know if you know the ma- magician duo, very famous in Las Vegas, Penn & Teller. They have a yeah. TV show called Now Fool Us. Pen and Teller fool us, and they have magicians and uh, sleight of hand, uh, act, well, acts and, and experts come on and perform their very, very best magic, and they have to decide whether they have, Pen and Teller decide whether they have been fooled or whether they know the trick, and they recently had a gentleman who walked on, uh, it was uh, 100 pounds of broken bottle glass, and he walked on it with nary a scratch, and he tried to fool them, and in code, they said something like, uh, yeah, walking on glass, mm, been there, saw that. Yeah, very interesting, uh, mind control. And they give little clues as to how they have not been fooled. And I'm thinking of you in the ice bath, and I'm thinking of this man walking on an eight-foot carpet filled with broken bottle glass and not even a drop of blood when he was done. So mind over matter, Perry, I think that is great. And thank you very much for the quote. I uh, I will remember this one always. And now let's turn to Kirsten, Kirsten, Kirsten Boylow. Kirsten Kirsten is the sponsor of this series, and uh, Kirsten, you've got a good panel today, but you always do. Kirsten has selected a quote from Jack Welsh, John Francis Jack Welsh, Jr., born in 1935, retired American business executive, author, chemical engineer, most well-known as the chairman and CEO of General Electric between 1981 and 2001. The company's value rose a mere 4,000% in the time he was at the helm, and when he retired from GE, his Severance pay was $417 million, the largest such severance in history. Maybe it's been surpassed since then. I'm not sure. But here is the quote Kirsten has selected from Jack Welch. Change before you have to. Kirsten, welcome to your show. How are you today? (laughs) Thank you very much, Bonnie. I am doing very well today. Very, very glad. Talk to me about the quote. Yeah, I just like this one, you know, change before you have to. It, to me, it, it kind of embodies the people that are the, um, that really need to embrace things like, not just social selling, but things like social selling, you know, those things that are going to move your business forward, those things that are going to really help you stand out from the crowd. And I think this goes for whether you're a leader in an organization or whether you're, you know, a sales rep trying to, um, you know, be relevant in two years' time, um, you need to change before you have to. Um, it, at some point, 
things are going to change, the organization is going to change, and you're going to be forced to change, and that's never comfortable for anyone. So if you can make it as comfortable for yourself as possible by changing before you have to, um, where you get to make the choice as to, you know, how you um, do your business and, and you get to make, you know, kind of set the stage for um, people coming after you, um, be that change, be that person who, who uh, changes before they have to. I think it just really sums it all up. And Kirsten, it goes beautifully with the Richard Branson quote Perry has offered to us. So change before you have to, and then we'll add on, screw it, let's do it. I think those two go (laughs) perfectly hand in hand. Very well. Jump into the darn ice bath now, right, Perry? Just do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Kirsten, question question for you, Kirsten, is this a do or die message for our listeners? Is it, well, we're in the social selling world, well, Companies, big and small, are doing it well. Salespeople are becoming legends and stars, as Amar Sheth just told us, and they're becoming they're becoming stars by using it. And well, if you don't, you might not be around to listen to this discussion in a year or two. So, is this a do or die message, Kirsten? I truly believe it is. Um, I forget which analyst firm it was, but said that you know um, that in in you know in the next 10 years we're going to see uh, um sales reps jobs being completely re- you know um either eliminated because somebody's doing it better more efficiently um and and faster uh or perhaps because you know AI and machine learning is coming in and you know so they're they're going to be eliminated because of that reason they have to change they have to adopt the new technologies and the new way of doing business um and their customers are kind of dictating it as well it's not just you know um social selling uh people telling them that they need to change it's their customers your customers are changing um your customers do their business online and that's where they want to interact with people and so that's where you know sales reps need to be in order to uh, to truly engage with their customer thank you kirsten let me just go around the table quickly amar do you agree or disagree with what kirsten said the do or die question i asked her yeah i mean i completely agree i think it's very controversial to to, to make uh, a statement that bold, but it's a, it's a fact, Bonnie. Um, any salesperson today that is not taking the time to scale up, whether it's in the area of social selling or something else, they're just going to get left behind. And then when you're forced to do it post-event, that's the deadliest spot to be in because now you're playing catch-up. So th- there's a tremendous amount of runway right now, right? So I, I, I like Kirsten's quote, totally agree, but let's just look at the other side of the coin as well. What I like to say to salespeople is this. Look at the opportunity. Yeah, there's an impending doom event about to happen. We don't know when that is, but it is coming. AI, machine learning, deep learning, all of this jazz is real, but you have massive runway potential right now. Get in on the game. Learn these things. Do it on your own time. Apply for five minutes a day. Get comfortable and learn. Maybe that's the only thing we need to do to start, right? Like sometimes people... And I'll give you my example, Bonnie. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about my 2018. What are the top things I want to achieve? And I'm, mm-hmm. it's daunting. And quite frankly, it puts you into a mode of inaction. But the way I'm tackling it is really simple. I'm going to do one habit for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Once I'm comfortable with that habit for 30 days, for about five, six, seven minutes a day, then I'm going to lay on the second habit for, you know, day 31 to 60, so on and so forth. And I think if salespeople are just able to break it down from that angle, that's when the winning actually happens. So that's my perspective. I think that, yeah, there's a doom event coming. It's, it's, it's do or die, quite frankly. And if you don't get on social now, think about what your buyers are going to think. 
because all buyers very, are on social and digital. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Amar. And I love the hint about forming a new habit for 30 days. I'm going to tweet about that. Perry Van Beek, we'd love to get your POV on this. What do you think? I, I completely agree with with both Kirsten and Amar. It's, I mean, it's, it is do or die. Um, and it's coming quite, quite rapidly as well. It, it, it will be gradual, though. Uh, so it's not one point, it's not one date in the future, but it, it's coming quite rapidly. The thing is, um, what I learned from one of my bosses, be, I mean, that, that, that's, that goes back 20 years ago, he always said, if, 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 there, if you're in the process and you're not adding value to a process, you need to be removed from the process. That's it. And that's the, 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 the world of, of sales is completely changing where, where buyers are in control now. The buyers are doing the research. So if a salesperson, if you call up a salesperson and say, I just need a copier, and the, and the, the salesperson says, okay, which one do you want? Um, well, I want that one. He's not adding any value anymore because I've done all the work. So what, mm. what the salesperson really should be doing, he should be turning around and saying, okay, why do you want a copier? And, and what's it for? How, how can we help you improve your business? He needs to go a lot deeper and, and really look at the customer. What, what's the customer's dream? Why does he want it? Does he even need a copier? He really needs to go drill down a lot deeper than, than, than that because otherwise he's not adding value. I mean, he's just, in, he's just a transaction. And, you know, that's what, where I agree with Amar. You know, they're going to be, they're going to be gone um, in, in, in two years, maybe five years, maybe ten years. I don't think it's going to take that long. But it's, it is coming, and it's coming more, more rapidly than, than, than people are, are thinking. You know, so. Thank you, Perry. Thank you, all three of you. Uh, I think I warned uh, Amar and Perry on, the, on our prep call last week or the week before that I, I chime in with questions and round robins when they're least expected, and this is what keeps the energy up, and we love it. Thank you very much, Amar Sheth. I'm going to circle back to you at that side of the table. It's a round table, so I can see you very clearly, Amar. A couple of personal questions for you. Number well, Not too personal. Number one, where are you calling from today in general? And number two, what's in your cup today? What are you drinking? Or what would you prefer to be drinking? What's the drink of the whole wide world, Amar, that makes you smile the most? Go ahead, Amar Chef. Yeah, well, I'm not going to share with your audience what I prefer to be drinking. I think maybe that's post <laughs> 8 p.m. at night. Um, that's okay. We I have No, drinking. no. Our guests tell us all the time. They say after the show. You can preface it. Totally. After well, I'm a, I'm a big gin person, so uh, a little Hendrix is always good in my cup. Um, but what I have right now, though, uh, to, to start the day fresh is a beautiful green smoothie concoction, which uh, contains kale, spinach, parsley, uh, banana, apple, a little bit of maple syrup, a bunch of funny powders my wife puts in there, and voila, <laughs> it, uh, it energizes me throughout the day. <laughs> that sounds interesting. Now, I know that our engineer, uh, Kevin G. at World Talk Radio, who is listening right now, always tells me when I talk about my banana smoothie milkshake in the morning, he tells me to add a little peanut butter. Would you ever consider that, or doesn't that go with the kale and the powders, Amar? Yeah, it probably won't go. It probably kind of defeats the purpose of, you know, staying trim and lean and, uh, probably is, is the antithesis. Uh, and, then, and then to answer the second question or the first question you asked was, I'm, I'm basically in the greater Toronto area in, in Canada. So that's where I'm calling in from today. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll look forward to you enjoying your smoothie, your green, green, green healthy drink, and your Hendrix later. You can have them both on the show, Amar. Thank you. Perry Van Beek, rumor has it that we have called you somewhere in the Netherlands. Can you give us a clue where and tell us what you love to drink? Absolutely. Well, I, I'm I'm based in in Harlem in the Netherlands. That's Harlem with two A's. That's actually so. It's not Harlem, New York. I'm uh, in the Netherlands. So so it's actually just past uh, 
past four o'clock in the afternoon uh, right here. So I'm almost okay talking about what I really like to have in my cup. Um, apart from the addiction I have for double espressos, which I've just, <laughs> I just, I need to stop. I need to reduce on that because I'm just going overboard with too many of those a, a day. But what I'd like to have in my cup, when, when I was a young, young boy already, my father uh, taught me to appreciate wine and um, really young age already smelling it first and then at a later age, you know, really taking really small sips, you know, without anybody, if, if nobody was looking, I was allowed to take really small sips and just, and he would ask me, what, what, what do you, what do you taste? What do you, what do you smell? What are you experiencing? And I really learned to appreciate wine. And now, um, you cannot make me happier with, uh, with a great Chateau Neuf du Pape. And, um, we have a, we have a family house in, in, in that area in the south of France. And when I'm there and I'm drinking Chateau Neuf du Pape and just, you know, I, I, <laughs> I switch off my mobile phone, switch off any, and I'm just enjoying the uh, the Chateau Neuf du Pape, and it's just, that that makes me the most happy man on earth. Um, and no, nothing can disturb me then. Just my kids. There, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking up Chateau Neuf du Pape. If anybody is interested, it's C H A T E A U N E U F dash D U dash Pape P A P E. And uh, let me see if I can get a quick definition here. It is actually Chateau Neuf de Pape is a commune in the Vaucluse department of the Provence Alpes Côte d'Azur region in southeast France. Uh, a ruined medieval castle sits above the village and dominates the landscape to the south. Very, very interesting. Almost all of the cultivatable or cultivable land is planted with grapevines. The commune is famous for the production of red wine classified as Chateau Neuf de Pape Appellation d'Origine Contrôlée, produced from grapes grown in the commune of Chateau Neuf de Pape and in portions of four adjoining communes. How did I do there, Perry? Okay? That's, that's fantastic. I mean, I, I would think you speak French fluently. Do you? Oh, me- merci bien. <laughs> un peu, seulement un peu. Merci, merci. What, a long, what, what long ago, like, far- yeah, go ahead. What I'd like to add to do about the, the village of Chateau Neuf du Pape, if you're ever, ever there, uh, make sure that you reserve at the restaurant Vergier des Pape, which is just below the ruin that you mentioned, uh, on top of the hill. It, it, the, the view from that restaurant, if you go there for lunch or even dinner in the summer, the view from it's, it's the most spectacular restaurant. I've ever been. I've traveled the world. I've traveled to 50 countries. That's my favorite restaurant in the whole wide world. And, and you will love it. I mean, that's, that's a guarantee. If you don't, I will pay for your, I will pay your bill. Airfare <laughs> <laughs> not included. I know that. Special delivery not included. If, I, if I'm ever in the neighborhood, Perry, I will be sure to check it out, and I will tell them you sent me. Thank you. Kirsten, we want to find out where you are. I, I think you might be in Canada, somewhere near Amar today. I don't know, near Toronto. Tell us, and what are you drinking? And then I'm going to go back and ask Amar and Perry a little bit about their company. So, Kirsten, what's in your cup today? Uh, well, I really I just have water. Unfortunately, I have had a really busy morning and haven't had a chance to get my tea. Um, but I really love my Earl Grey tea from Tim Hortons uh, every morning. But I just didn't get there this morning. Um, so I'm lacking that. I'm, ho- I'm hoping that after this call is done, I can go and, uh, go and grab one. Um, right now, I'm just drinking water. And I am in Waterloo. I'm sitting in my office in, in the Waterloo office of SAP, and um, it's about an hour west of Toronto for Perry, who doesn't know. I'm sure Amar knows where Waterloo is. Absolutely. 
Thank you, Kirsten. And I'll just give my drink. Kirsten knows they do not let me anywhere near caffeine, Perry, espresso, single, double, or half on radio show days. And you know why. So I'm drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw. I have recently relocated from New York after 34 years on Long Island. I'm now living in Durham, North Carolina, and I have a beautiful office in the front of my new home. And I have little French doors on the office, and I brought all my wonderful memorabilia from my New York office. But now I have twice the room for the office looking out on my garden and uh, all I have is the water in a cool clear glass. Now it is time for us to find out briefly on Marsheth. What do you do? Tell us a little bit about Sales for Life. Let's do a 90 second elevator pitch. Uh, just tell us what you do and I think our friend Jamie Shanks is involved with Sales for Life so tell us a little more please. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, Jamie is involved indeed. Jamie is uh, one of the co-founders and CEO of Sales for Life. Uh, we started approximately five years ago. Our goal is to help a million salespeople worldwide uh, move from their analog ways to a more modern digital way. And uh, we've trained over 300 companies to this effect, and we've uh, got about 90,000 people certified on some of our programs. Um, what I currently do at Sales for Life is a, a few things, but my main role is VP of Customer Success which is just a fancy way of saying that when clients become clients, I need to make sure that they're super happy using social, applying it in their daily habits, and really seeing results from it. So that is my core concern. That's my mandate. That's what I'm driven by, is to make sure that salespeople can take these new habits, make sense of them, synthesize them, and generate pipeline and revenue. Thank you very much. And please, please, please do a shout-out to Jamie for us. Tell him uh, Bonnie says hello. He's been on the show several times here with us and with Kirsten on her series. So tell Jamie hi from me, please. Thank you. And Perry Van Beek, we know you're in the Netherlands, and we know that this is one of the topics you love to talk about, social selling. Tell us, what is your company, social.one? What do you do? Well, Social One was uh, was founded uh, originally in the, the end of 2009 when I just started giving LinkedIn trainings, um, which was which was a lot of fun to do. And it started by accident, completely by accident, because somebody asked me, "Hey, you know a lot about LinkedIn? Can you do, can you talk to us about LinkedIn?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." But uh, you know, so I did that, and and then people started coming to me saying, "You need you need to help us within our business to 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 adopt more about LinkedIn." I said, "Yeah, well, I don't really have the time for that. Well, but we'll pay you for it." I was like, "Okay." That's interesting. Um, and I changed my business model of my company. And, and three months later, I was on national television in the Netherlands as the LinkedIn expert. And I, was, I couldn't believe it. This was just taken off so rapidly. And, and, and since then, I've, I've been really focusing on, on helping uh, mainly small businesses and, and, and uh, solopreneurs. But uh, since about two years now, also I've been working for, for major corporations like, like, like Cisco, Palo Alto Networks and everything. But that was a real struggle for me. So... Uh, as, as a small small business, we're just there's just two of us in social one. Um, so just recently, um, I, I hooked up with uh, the, the social selling company in the Netherlands, which have a large base and uh, which is a, quite a large company. We have a lot of ex- a lot of experience with, with with corporate. So so and our goal now is to really to be the main player in Europe on, on the, in, in the field of social selling and helping companies. Not train people because because just the training. I mean, I've I've stopped doing training for a day, you know, because the the, the information is just not retained after a day. There's so much that's actually left behind. Um, so what we do is we do the digital transformation, just like Sales for Life does really well. 
know, they do digital transformation. They're helping sales teams adopt a new strategy and helping sales teams really adapting a new, new, uh, new, new way of way of living almost. So way of life, uh, and and that's what 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 we do. So uh, and it's a lot of fun to do. So uh, so that's basically what we do. Thank you very much. You said a lot of fun to do, and I think that's part of the reason you said you quit your job after being inspired by Sir Richard Branson's book, Screw It, Let's Do It, and now you have fun doing what you do, and you're paid for it, too. Well, isn't there, is there anything better than that? Anything better exactly. than that, Perry? Thank you. So now we're going to take a break. A little bit late, Kirsten, but we had so much good information to share and talk about here, getting started on our topic, social selling success, getting your entire company on the bandwagon. We're going to dive into the nitty-gritty very old-fashioned word, but I think it still applies, and how to do this with our three special guests, Amar Sheth at Sales for Life, and we have Perry Van Beek at Social.One, and we have Kirsten Boylo at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break, so you know the drill. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be back 90 seconds. Count along with us. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm. And only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business. From building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Social Selling is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling. Presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game with social selling. Indeed, we're changing the game with social selling, especially when we have three amazing panelists on. We have Amar Sheth at Sales for Life, Perry Van Beek at Social.one, and Kirsten Boylo at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and we are ready to start our roundtable. We're going to do this almost as a lightning round. We have a lot of territory to cover in the next 26 minutes. So Amar Sheth told me before the show, quote, he said, start with the end in mind. As cliche as it sounds, before you go down the path of implementing a social and digital selling program for your company, you must first determine why you're doing this. Amar, take it away. Yeah, and I think this is um, this is that very first meeting where everyone gets in the room and really decides and says, why are we going to go down this path? 
you know, a lot of salespeople might have come to you and said, hey, can you get me some LinkedIn training? Uh, some other folks might have come to you and said, hey, we're starting to lose orders to another company and a, a competitor, for, for instance. But you really have to figure out what you want out of this program. By the way, there is no right answer. The right answer is the answer mm-hmm. that your company comes up with. And everything is a milestone. Everything is an evolution. So what we really recommend to clients when they reach out to us is we say, really figure out what you'd like and why you want to do this. Where is the direction? Where is the wish for social selling or digital selling actually coming from? Once we know that, then the future direction can be determined. But I think most people make a monumental failure by just inviting people. And by the way, we're, we're some of those people, you know, folks like Perry and I, et cetera, to come in and quote unquote, just do training. The training in and of itself can only achieve so much, right? It's a data dump. So my first recommendation to anyone listening right now, wondering how to get the company on board is figure out why you want to do it in the first place. You know, most people that listen to this program, I would classify them as change agents. They're the troublemakers, right? The, 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 the round pegs in the square holes, as Steve Jobs called them. But it's great to be that, but you've got to get a few people on, on board with you. You've got to figure out why you want to do this in the first place. So that's what I would thank, say. Thank you, Amar. Perry Van Beek, love to get your thoughts on what Amar introduced. Go ahead. I complete. I mean, we're so aligned, Amar and I. And then, you know, it's Sales for Life strategy. They, you know, they're, they're a model for, for, for the world anyway. I, think, I'm, I'm, I follow them. I, I'm, you know, we, we know each other well. And it's, it, their strategy is exactly what, what we think as well. You know, when we meet a new customer, especially you know, when it's a, it's a a larger co- customer, a corporate customer, uh, and they ask us for, yeah, we need some LinkedIn training. In fact, I was just at the company yesterday. They, had a, they received the LinkedIn training two years ago. They just want a refresher. I said, okay, so, but, but why? Uh, you know, why do you want a refresher? Well, we just need better profiles. Why do you want better profiles? And really just drill down. And, and in the end, what we're looking for is to help the customer find their, what is their dream? What, what is, what is it that, the dream that they want to realize? Um, and, and what is the dream in, in one year? What's the dream in, in, the, in three years' time? Because when they know their dream, and, and, and that always surprises us that so many customers have completely forgotten what their dream is. And when you help them find out that dream again, that's when you can build the customer journey. That's when you can really you know, reverse engineer the customer journey, and that's when you can start introducing a, a social selling program. Um, which is not a training of a day, just like Amar said, you know, just a training. It, it doesn't add, add, add a lot of value. Um, you know, it, it needs to it, it needs to be adopted by by the entire company. And uh, I completely agree with what Amar said. You know, it has to come from the top down. Without management buy-in, I don't see a lot of a lot of chance, chances of success there. Thank you, Kirsten Boyleau. Join us. Yeah, I really like that start with why. It makes so much sense. And it really is the the linchpin of the in implementing a program um, like this. There's, you know, <clears throat> if you're just bringing in um, training on a tool, it's, it's not, you know, it doesn't have quite the same impact as doing something that requires essentially change management. Right. This is this is actually a change in behavior, and if you're going to ask people to change their behavior, you're going to have to have a pretty good reason why they need to change their behavior, um, because they're not going to change just because you tell them to. 
And, and so I think starting with why is so critical. It really is uh, the linchpin of the overall program um, to, get it, to get it rolled out, to get it started, and to, to, to be successful with it. Thank you, Kirsten. Amar, I'm going to give you a, one, one wrap-up here. But Amar, I'd like to ask the question, what if you ask a client or a prospective client, what's your why? And they're saying, well, everybody's doing it. You know, we have to do it. Is that a good enough why? I mean, it is in one sense that, you know, some companies that we talk to don't have any exposure in this. So from that perspective, that sometimes is, is just their intro into the concept of social, Bonnie. But overall, we help clients kind of craft their why. And I think, forget us for a moment, but any, anyone you work with, you've got to ask these questions. I don't care if you're implementing a social selling program, cold calling program, a marketing program. Whatever you're doing, you've got to know why you're doing it. Most times, though, Bonnie, and here's some kind of insight for everybody. So, so just a general shift to point out is a lot of tech companies got in on early with social selling, and, and a lot of them are still not in, but the early adopters were definitely tech companies, like SAP clearly. Um, but now we're starting to see trickles of other industries being you know, penetrated with these buzzwords like social. So we had a very large Japanese manufacturing company just approach us and ask us, well, we'd like to do X, Y, and Z on social. And when we ask why, very much like Terry suggests, uh, they basically just said, our, our salespeople are starting to complain that uh, their, their clients, their prospects are saying that um, they can't find them online. And it turns out that half of these people don't even have a LinkedIn profile. Mm. The, company's, the company's Twitter page is just a colossal mess. So there's a lot of these kind of big attributes that are missing that are very foundational. So as I wrap up this point, that's what I would suggest. I know you're live, but at one point, you've just got to jump in very quickly. Thank you very much. And that is a perfect segue to where I'm going to take us into the depths of Perry Van Beek's roundtable statements he sent me. Perry, great content here. And I'm going to pick your number two one because it's perfect for where we we just jumped off from Amar's statement. You say many salespeople's LinkedIn profiles are employer-centric, not customer-centric. Many people still think of LinkedIn as a giant database of resumes, not realizing that clients are on there and can be found. And their clients can find them. Perry, what's the remedy for this? Tell us a little more, please. Well, that, that's exactly right. I mean, I see it so many times that you come into companies and they, you see the salespeople, they have in their, in their summaries or, in, or even in, the, in, their, in, their, in their titles or their headlines, they say, I'm a quota crusher. Well, if I'm a potential client you know, <laughs> and I see that you're a quota crusher, I, I don't know if I really want to talk to you. Um, or if you're a sales tiger, <laughs> some, some people call themselves. You know, what I want to see is, is, is tell me what, how you can add value to, to me, for, for me. How, how, do you, yeah. how do you help me? How do you, you, know, you solve my pro- problems? Whereas a lot of people just, just they, they have, you know, they, they create their, they've created their, their LinkedIn profile years ago. They haven't really updated anything. And, it's, and when they created it, it may have been for, you know, for finding a new job, it may have been that. And then you want to have it employer-centric. Then you want to have it because that's, at that moment, that is your target group. You want to find a new employer, so you want to appeal. You have a message that appeals to a new employer. But once you have that new employer, you need to change it. You need to make it customer-centric. If you're in sales or business development, marketing, you need to be customer-centric. Show them what's the value that you bring. What's the, what's the, what, 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 is your, your, what are your responsibilities? What are the results that you're bringing? Show some examples. Do you have any recommendations from, from existing clients? 
and add that to your profile. So, and, and that's unfortunately that's, that's missing with so many salespeople. And that's the foundation of social selling because when I do research as a potential client, uh, I do research on, on LinkedIn or wherever, and I come across various people and I see three <laughs> quota crushes, as I call them, um, and one has, has a message that appeals to me and says, hey, uh, I'm here to help you. Um, and, and here, by the way, here's a free download of this and this and this, um, helping you may, maybe make a, a decision earlier. Um, taking away, taking, for example, that's another tip that I always get. You know, LinkedIn is great, but you want to take them away from LinkedIn as soon as possible. You know, help you know, attract them to your website. Give a call to action or, or things like that. So, so that's really what you, what you want to be focusing on. You know? Change your mindset. LinkedIn is not a collection of 500 million resumes. It's a collection of online digital profiles, professional profiles. Thank you, Perry. Phenomenal words of wisdom. And, and I, I just tweeted, uh, if a sales rep's LinkedIn profile says, quota crusher, will it draw customers? And then I wrote, not. And I attached that to you. <laughs> that was a, a very colorful point you just made. Kirsten, you're a LinkedIn pro. You're an advisor on that. What do you think? Oh, absolutely agree. It was like Perry was saying the things that I've said to so many times over the last four or five years about LinkedIn profiles. It's, if it says quota crusher, why as a customer would I care to engage with you? Because I know that you're out to sell me. You're not out to, um, to be a consultant, to bring value to me. You're out to make the sale because you are a quota crusher. That's all you care about. That, it may not be the truth, but that's the story that you tell when you have those kinds of things in your, in your social profiles, whether it's LinkedIn or, or um, Twitter or Quora or whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, being customer-centric is so, so important to uh, having that value-based conversation for your customer. It's about um, driving value for your customer, about helping them to achieve their goals, about making sure that they're happy and satisfied. As Amar said, you know, one of his roles is to, to make sure that his customers are satisfied and happy with the value that they're getting out of um, the, you know, the relationship with his business. And, um, but you can, you can really emulate that through your social profiles by making sure that the way that you talk about your role, the way that you talk about your, your knowledge and experience and, um, and skills and how that brings value to your customer. Uh, it's no longer, it doesn't have to be your, you know, your online resume. It can be a really dynamic platform for engaging your customer and making sure the customer understands what kind of value they're going to get out of a relationship with you. Thank you very much. More words of wisdom. And Amar Sheth, I'm circling around to you. What do you think about what Perry shared and what Kirsten commented? Go ahead, Amar. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, right? Uh, of course. Um, and I think all of us are kind of completely aligned on this, but I, I want to paint a picture. I want to tell a story from the following angle. Uh, so if you're a sales leader listening to this, or if you're a sales professional listening to this, or an executive leader, think about this as a sales funnel, right? So salespeople are very accustomed to moving people down a funnel, right? Top all the way to the bottom signed contract. Think about that now in how your customers are actually moving through that funnel. So how you look and how you behave define customer centricity. Let me repeat that. How you look and how you behave define how customer centric they're going to perceive you as being. So it starts with how you look. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to belabor the point, but uh, what Kirsten and what Perry have said is spot on. Uh, no one cares that you're a quote crusher. It, it, you should be very proud of your achievements. No 
out in that, but no one really cares from a client perspective. Like when I'm looking to go and buy uh, anything like a television or a car or a complex piece of software, I don't care that that salesperson is a quota crusher. If they are, so be it. No problem. But that really doesn't affect me. But I think there's one layer more deeper in this, right? So as we move throughout the funnel, from how you look, being at the top of the funnel, and then going down, it's how you act. So I'm going to add a different layer on top of Perry, which is, you know, your LinkedIn profile can say something about you, and you define what it says, but then what you do with other people's profiles also matter. So I think a cardinal sin that salespeople make is that they're just going to look at LinkedIn as a lead list builder. And I think that is probably the most caveman way to operate today. It's the most primitive paleo way to operate today where you say, I'm just going to use LinkedIn to generate a list of prospects and then I'm just going to sell them in the same cookie cutter way that I always sell them. So, you know, food for thought for, for everyone out there. Very interesting. Well, what's the flip side of that, Amar? Do you see LinkedIn as a, just a list builder? What would the answer be? What would you rather they see it as? Just give me a response there. Sure. I think, I think we even have to move outside of LinkedIn. We have to almost look at digital sales as an ecosystem, of which LinkedIn is one piece, right? Facebook is another piece. Um, Twitter is another piece. Google, like literally Google search is another piece. Google alerts is another piece. There's so many tools and strategies that can, that can be employed within the realm of digital or social sales. And I think LinkedIn is one piece that you have to extract information from. So the job of a sales professional today, right? So I'm going to piggyback on what Kirsten said earlier, around really around the fact that no one, you know, people are finding you, they're looking at you, et cetera, but they're also, they're also trying to determine why they should do business with you. And, and I'm paraphrasing what she said. So, so ultimately, I think the job of a sales professional today is to use all of these tools as a way to collect the right information and do proper reach out. If you do proper reach out based on information you're finding, you have a significant greater chance of opening new doors. And the data supports that, by the way. This is not just a mark kind of, you know, riffing. Um, this is literally data backed. And then it actually helps you support nurturing cycles along the journey as well. Thank you very much, Amar. Very interesting. Um, I'm going to move on to a topic from Kirsten's list because we've got 10 minutes left till the end of the show, and I'm going to make sure we cover it. Kirsten likes to focus on leadership support. So, Kirsten, I'm going to uh, – we talked in the beginning about getting your leaders on board. In my intro, I said maybe they don't get what social selling is. They don't get what the ROI is. Without the buy-in, I think Perry reiterated this, and, and Amar did as well. Uh, without that buy-in, it's just not going to happen because it probably – requires a dramatic, dynamic, drastic culture change in the organization. So Kirsten says maintaining leadership support comes down to showing them the value of social selling to the bottom line. Aye, there is the rub. Kirsten Boilo, tell us more. Yeah, I think that um, in order to get leadership support, uh, yes, people are at, at the top levels are going to be interested to hear, you know, this, this brand new thing, very innovative, you know, exciting uh, new way of doing business. But you're not going to maintain their attention if you can't show them that there's truly a value to it. Um, you know, 
you've heard that that phrase, um, the next new shiny thing. Uh, you know, often social selling is perceived as that next new shiny thing, but then, you know, once it gets going into the organization, once you get started on that um, that road. Uh, you know, you have to maintain that interest by showing them the, the ROI, that there truly is a value to this. And that value can then translate into further enhancements, further investment, um, further uh, attention paid to this change management or, you know, this change in behavior that's truly impacting the entire organization. It's not just sales that needs to, to change. It's actually marketing that needs to change and pre-sales needs to change and industry value engineers needs to change and um, operations needs to change and finance needs to change and, you, and it becomes the entire employee advocacy pro, you know, um, conversation There's because it is truly much, much bigger than just that, that one conversation with leadership that says, yep, yep, I support this, uh, let's move on, um, on to the next big shiny thing. And, and I think in order to maintain uh, momentum with social science, because if you're not I think Amar uh, alluded to this idea earlier on, and when he was talking about um, changing habits and you know, and you know, doing that one new thing for five or seven minutes a day, and if he can maintain that for thirty days, then he can move on to the next new habit that he can that he can develop. Uh, but the thing is that if you don't continue to incorporate that new habit that you've developed into your everyday activities, you're going to to lose it. You're going to go back to the old way of doing things. Um, especially if, you know, you're not seeing that results immediately. And one of the things that, you know, that people don't recognize is that social selling is a long game. It is a long marathon. It is, you know, and often it doesn't, <laughs> there's really no end in sight because of all the changes that happen. There's so much that needs to, you really need to make sure that leadership is on board for the long haul and not just that short-term flash in the pan, shiny thing, let's move on to the next thing. Um, and I think you can maintain that by showing the ROI and continuing to show the ROI of not just pipeline and revenue, but kind of deeper into um, you know, the, the aspects of sales that, that really um, make or break an organization. Thank you, Kirsten. Very interesting, uh, thought-provoking. Amara, circle around the table to you. Agree or disagree on management buy-in and the need to know that the adoption of change will take time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Totally. Um, you know, it's it's definitely an event. It's not a campaign. I guess that's another way to look at it. I think most people treat it as a campaign, a one-time thing or, or a short-term thing, and it it, it, it invariably fail. Uh, sorry to say that, but it will. We've seen that happen dozens of times. Uh, does management need to buy in? Yes. So, I, you know, for, for, for better or for worse, management controls a lot of decision-making in companies. And um, if they're not behind it, if they're not practicing it, you know, what's the point of it? So it, it's not that people are not social selling today, Bonnie. Like when we go into organizations that where leaders kind of call us and say, hey, it's time to do social, we actually are able to show them reports that show them who the social sellers in their business actually are. It's quite evident, actually. Just go to their LinkedIn profiles, go to their Twitter, go to their Facebook, see exactly who's online, social, and active. So it's not that social is not important. It's just that management could in a little bit late. And that's typically what happens. It's that there's these, uh, you know, there's these thoroughbred mindsets in the business, these, these aggressive, uh, minded salespeople that are ready to make change. They're hungry for it. But then the leaders take years and years to catch up. So 
Um, it's good that the leaders get on board and they're needed. Um, and once that happens, acceleration happens. So just another way to think about it. Thank you very much. And you know what? We are technically in our predictions round. We have about four and a half minutes left till the end of the show. So Perry Van Beek, I want to call you Sir Perry. I don't know why. It just seems to go with your name. So I'm just going to dub you. I've, I've just knighted you during the day. I've knighted oh you, Sir God. Perry. Perry, just sure deal with it. Well, you just tell her I said so. Anyway, it's it's just just among the four of us. It's private conversation. Of course, nobody else is listening. Perry, I'm going to let you start the crystal ball prediction round. Rather than commenting on Kirsten's po- uh, notes here on leadership support, let's look into the crystal ball from Social One and Perry Van Beek. Sir Perry, take a look and tell me. I give you 60 seconds. That's all I have. What do you see coming down the pike for social selling? Let's focus on the year 2020 or after. Perry Van Beek, 60 seconds predictions. Go. All right. Well, it, it's, it almost ties in with, with the previous comment. I mean, uh, leadership needs to buy in. And, and what, I, what, I gonna, what I'm going to see happening, what I think we are all going to see happening, is it's change or die, really. I mean, if, if companies do not adopt a social selling strategy by 2020, uh, in the business-to-business environment especially, um, they have no chance of, of, of surviving. Um, I, I, I will see small companies overtaking large companies because they're too slow in their decision-making process, uh, evaluating, not starting things, not trying things. Like Amar said, you know, you need to start somewhere. At least do, do something, you know. Uh, screw it, let's do it. Just do it. But just do it. And, and really, that's, that's what, what, what my biggest <laughs> prediction is. If you do not change, um, if you do not change, uh, you will die. You will uh, you, you will you will perish, and 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 that's it's too bad. And a lot of people will lose jobs over that. Um, you know, it's, it's like the, the company I was read recently. This the CEO did not have a LinkedIn profile, and a lot of people were hesitant to also to be really out there on LinkedIn. So, uh, and it, it's an example. You know, lead by example. So so the management buy-in absolutely that's crucial. So. Uh, how is that? Thank you, Perry. That's perfect, perfect. Kirsten Barlow, 60. Well, you know what, Kirsten? Let's let Amar go, and I'll let you wrap it up. Amar, yeah, 60 seconds, yeah. all yours. Go ahead, Amar. Totally. I'm going to actually you know, steal like an artist from what Perry said, and I'll say two quick things. Number one, folks, if you're listening, look at the Fortune 500. That list is pretty much tumultuous, and it's always changing. So that should show you that who's top today might not be top tomorrow because they rested, they slept, they took a nap. Mm-hmm. They got crushed. Number two, John Chambers, outgoing CEO of Cisco, right? That little tech company that everyone knows. He spoke at a partner conference. It was his last partner conference he spoke at. This was about a year and a half ago now. There were 25,000 people in the room, and he looked at them and he said, 40% of you will die in the next 10 years. Your companies will be dead in the next 10 years. Not because you don't care. Not because you're not good people, but because your refusal to go digital. Mm. Handwriting's on the wall. Thank you very much, Amar. Those are words of warning. And Ms. Kirsten Boyleau, I saved 60 seconds for you. They're all yours. Go ahead, Kirsten. Well, I just want to go back to my opening quote, which was, change before you have to. I think, you know, people really just need to... Take a look at, um, to go back to, to Omar's question or point, you know, take a look at your why, figure out, but then just make that leap. 
You know, you're never going to get there if you don't actually take that step forward. And, and then, you know, then you do run the risk of being in part of that 40% that, um, of your company just dying because you're, um, you're not willing to take that risk. You're not willing to step out in faith that, yes, this is something that needs to happen and I just need to embrace it and move forward. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, I think that, that I hadn't heard that about um, John Chambers before, but that's a really interesting thought. And it, it really just brings home that whole change before you have to. Make sure that you are on the front runner, that you are, because if you're in the front, you always can see um, the new things that are happening. You're not trying to follow the crowd, and you're always going to be able to um, to make the changes before you have to. You're always going to be able to see that new thing coming along that's going to maybe shift your direction slightly and, and be able to... Uh, um, to you know, address it um, in a in a quick man- quick and easy manner. Thank you very much, Amar Sheth. Such a pleasure to get to know you, Perry Van Beek, sir. What can I say? And Kirsten Boylo, always a pleasure. Kirsten, I think this is number nine this year. I'm hoping you will renew, and I think you have one more coming up in a couple weeks. So I think we, we will have be two, in actually. Two more. Oh, my. I'm thrilled. We will be talking then. You know what? You set the bar very, very high today, my dear. So keep that up. So I want to thank our three panelists. And I want to thank our engineer, Kevin G. at the Business Channel, World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a social selling game changer today, just like Amar Sheth and his colleagues at Sales for Life, just like Perry Van Beek at Social Dot One. I keep saying the dot, sir. Perry, and just like Kirsten Boylow at SAP. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. We'll be here live on the Business Channel, 11 a.m. Eastern, with a new episode live, of course, with Coffee Break with Game Changers, talking about the gender equality issues in Silicon Valley. Hmm, that's a hot topic. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management